I want to get right into the message this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Come on, turn to somebody and say, get ready. I mean, I, I, what, I, what, I, what has happened the last few weeks of talking about the good soil and then dealing with the tares among the wheat that we were dealing with in Matthew 13 is actually leading up to the beginning of Wednesday night. The beginning of Wednesday night. So I'm going to take a few minutes and review, and then there's a place that I'm excited to get to today. I, I woke up at about 4 o'clock this morning, and I couldn't go back to sleep. And then at 5 o'clock, and I was like, okay, Fred, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm getting up, and I'm ready, and I'm ready, and I'm ready. And I should have just called you all about 6.30 and said, let's just have church because I've been, I've been ready. I've been, been ready since then, and I have only had one cup of coffee. Just want you to know, some of you are like, well, you probably had six cups of coffee by then. They're like, no, I had one cup, Bill. I, and the caffeine doesn't do a whole lot to me, but how many of you know Jesus does a whole lot to you? Amen? Amen. Let me, let's, let's turn with Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to give a couple of scriptures here. First of all, just take a review a moment. Matthew 13, 23. And the one whom the seed was sown on good soil, say good soil, it is this is the man who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. So we really began to look at this and say, this is the man that, that you sow a seed on good soil. And I want to tell you today that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become good soil. Oh, come on, somebody. But it's up to you to be able to take that soil and work that soil. Oh, come on. Our salvation is not by works. Okay? It's by God's grace, lest any man should boast. But when we are now all of a sudden a child, a, a son, a child of God, then we begin to start looking at the Word of God, and the Word of God begins to enlarge within us. And how many of you know that it takes something on your part to do it? Hello? Nobody's going to make you come to church, but you got up and you put the key in the ignition and you put gas in the car and you drove through McDonald's or wherever you might have went if you had breakfast and then you drove here to church. Come on, you got here, right? So as you begin to look at that, God's created that good soil within you. And here it is, Tatum. You hear, you understand, and you bear fruit. I've had some people say, Pastor, when are you going to address the elections? I'm telling you next week. You need to invite somebody, get your whole family, your neighborhood. We're going to come in here next week, and we're going to lay it out. Come on, somebody. Amen? Because you guys need to know, my, the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Maybe you need to be able to do your own homework and maybe be able to look at some things from the view of God looking at some things. And not just the world or the media that's looking at some things. So I'm not going to get, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to get with you next week. But I'm telling you, we're going to lay some things out. And I'm going to share with you a couple things on my heart. But today, we want to be able to hear, understand, and bear fruit. Somebody say good soil. So Matthew 13, 30, we talked about that the following week. And, uh, and it says, allow both to grow together. It talks about the wheat and the tare. Wheat and the tear, the tear and the wheat. And he really talks about that and he says, allow both of them. Remember, this was a parable to let them grow together until the harvest. How many of you know we're in a harvest time? Oh, no, no, no. Come on, somebody. We are in a harvest time. 
You better get ready. You better get the harvesters ready to go. You better enlarge your territory because God's going to bring opportunity your way. And there is, I'm telling you, there's some stuff that's been growing. You have planted some seeds for many, many, many years. Terry Warren, the Lord would say to you that you have sown. You've sown many, many times. You've sown many, many cases. You've sown in many, many fields. You've you've put that seed in there. You've allowed the water to get it. You've allowed the soil to be able to be matured, and it is beginning to grow. It's coming up. It has popped through the soil. The head is beginning to form. The wheat is beginning to come, and you're going to begin to experience that this upcoming year, and that harvest is ready to be put forth into your hands in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There's a lot of us that have been sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing. I'm here to tell you, it's time for you to begin to start reaping those things that you have put in there and said, God, I'm believing for this. I'm believing for that. I'm believing for you. I'm believing for salvation. I'm believing for all of those things. I'm telling you, the harvest is coming. Can I get an amen? So he's talking a little bit about the harvest. He says, you're going to say to the reapers, there's a principle that's there. And with that principle, he says, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them. Somebody say burn them. So you remember, you remember last week, I said, here's what we've got. I've got an incinerator, and we wanted you to put the tares in there. We bound them up, and here is the result. Can we show this little video? Here is the result. Sunday afternoon. Hey, here we go. We're burning up the tares. There they are. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay, can you pause it right there? That is an incinerator that is actually on my property in Buffalo, Oklahoma, outside of Buffalo. And you all have to look real closely, but right below the flame is the little piggy. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. It is what it is. And and because when they when they're not healthy and they pass away, we just don't throw them on the side. We actually incinerate them. Okay? Because it's the healthiest way to be able to manage those things within that. But here's what I want you to look at. See that flame? That was the thing that you put down as a tear. That was the thing that you said, I'm going to try to get this out of here. This doesn't belong. I got to pull this out. That thing's got to go. This thing's got to go. It's got to go. That's the tear, and that's your tear. And I'm declaring over your tear or tears that you put in there that he is burning them up, that they are just going to be ashes. They are not going to no longer hold you anymore. They're not going to hold you back to fear. God says he's be replaced now with faith, and those tears have to go in Jesus name. Somebody needs to give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for thank you for Mike on that. Let's look back at Matthew 13:30. He says you gather, you bind and you burn. Those tears that you've brought to this altar, you submitted to this altar, you put into that altar that we put in there and burned, you have got to say, God, I have submitted those tears to you and those things have been burnt up. How many of you know there's a, there's a part you play? Because whatever addiction, whatever bondage, whatever guilt, whatever shame, whatever that thing was that you took and put in there, how many of you know it's going to try to come back on you? The enemy's going to try to come back and reseed that thing within your heart, and you've got to say, you are not going to reseed that thing in my heart. We are rejecting that seed. We're rejecting those things. Anything that doesn't line up with the Word of God has got to go. Turn to your name and say, it's got to go. 
It's got to go. We're at a time where it's got to go. All right. So he's, he's, he's submitting those things to God. So let's get our field ready this morning. Let me pray. Just put your hand over your heart. That's, that's really your, that's your field. That's that soil. Father, just turn that. Let's get this ready. Let's get this ready to receive the word of God, which is a seed of God. And we thank you that it's already tilled. It's already ready. And even some of you don't mess with the seed that's been put in there because it's starting to germinate and it's getting ready to grow. We declare a harvest coming in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So how many of you know that the seed in the parable was the word? In Matthew 13, the first we talked about was the word. Say the word. It's a seed. So we're going to take this seed. We're going to begin to start putting it within us. A couple scriptures that I want to give you real quick is 1 Peter 1, 23. It says, you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is the word of God. Say it with me. Word of God. It's the word of God. Say it with me. The word of God. That seed, this right here is a seed that you put within you. And it's the word of God, and it's not perishable, meaning it won't expire. Seed wheat. My father-in-law, uh, and as well as some of you that have, you plant the seed. There, they are, there is better seed that you want to put in the ground, right, than there is that you don't want to put in the ground. There is seed that you can have that are certain certified, certain levels of seed that have been, that have been, um, I want to say, in, enhanced to the point where it's a pure seed that will be able to produce a harvest. And that's the seed that you want to seed with. You want to be able to put that in the ground and it's going to produce a harvest. So the word of God is not perishable, but imperishable. In other words, when it comes in, guess what? It's not going to, it's going to do, it's going to grow. It's not going to expire. You're not going to have to throw it out and say, oh, that was January 17th. Uh, you know, sell by date and get rid of that thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, that thing's three years out of date. Let's throw it away. You know, how did that thing get in the closet? How did that thing get in the pantry? That it won't expire. It's, a, it's a, an imperishable, and that's the word of God. Say word of God. John 3, 3, and it really, it, it, I don't know if I gave you that scripture or not, but it says, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You got to be born again. And we're saying we're going to be born of this seed that is, that is uh, a per, uh, not perishable, but imperishable. And that's the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 says, this is where living word fellowship was founded on, was the, the word of God is alive and active, alive and active. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter, uh, gosh, let's go, let's go Hebrews four. Let's read, just read through it. Hebrews four, uh, verse 12 says for the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and listen, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I'm glad it's up to God's word to judge my thoughts and intentions of my heart and not Glennis. Amen. I'm, I'm glad that God's making those decisions through his word and not you. Because if you were making those decisions, I'm already out. Amen. I would be a, it would be the trap door that we'd be up there on the stage and all of a sudden he'd disappear because he's gone. 
but it's the word of God that does that. Let's look at verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to his eyes of him whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, which is Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize sympathize with our weakness. I don't know about you, but I've got these weaknesses. And on Sunday mornings, you guys see my strength, but you also see my weaknesses. You see those things, and they're there, and I'm, uh, you know, they're there. But he says he has, we have, we cannot, he cannot sympathize, excuse me, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet is without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, say grace, the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I am thankful for the word of God. It helps me find, listen, not condemnation or guilt. It helps you find grace. It helps you find mercy. It helps you find what you're looking for in your time of need. And a lot of times we don't realize that. We just think something else instead of looking at the word of God. So I know that this word is going forth and it's going to do what it's planned and purpose to do. So let me throw up one more scripture. I think that I have Hebrews 125. Yeah, or first Peter 125. First Peter 125 says the word of the Lord endures. How long? Come on, everybody. It I'm forever is a long, 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 long. Say it with me. Long. Come on. Long, long. Everybody. Long, long, long. And it'll go on time. Forever is a long, long time. His forever is a long time, a long time. It's funny. It was like, well, this is taking forever. I put a pot of water on there and it's taking forever. No, it's really not taking forever. It's not going to take forever. It'll boil when it reaches a certain temperature and it breaks the boiling point and it will start little bubbles will come up and and it'll boil. It may seem like forever. So a lot of times we, we think that it seems like forever, but he says the word of the Lord endures forever. And he goes on and he says, and this is the word that is what? Preached to who? To you. Peter was talking about that. Even today, you're getting this word preached to you. So today I want to talk a little bit about the greatness of God. This morning, I, I, I kind of last night, it kind of began to shift. It began to change. I kind of had this one direction that I was going to go in, and the Lord just wanted me to bring back to this other direction because I took that First Peter one twenty five, and with that scripture, believe it or not, there is a principle in the Word of God, and it's called the, the rule of first usage. Are you with me? Or it's called the, the, the rule of first intent. That when a scripture is quoted in the New Testament, that you look at it, and if it's quoted from the Old Testament, you look at that scripture, you should take what it meant in the Old Testament 
and the principle and the precepts and what it was used for then, and that comes forward into the New Testament. The rule of first usage says go back and look at its original intent, and that original intent should be brought forth into the New Testament so you're not changing things. See, a lot of times we'll, we'll see where somebody quoted an Old Testament scripture, and we don't go back to look at it. So I want us to go back and look at this scripture that Peter was talking about, that the word of the Lord endures forever, and you're going to find that he was referencing Isaiah 48. So real quick, put up Isaiah 48, and then I want to get to uh, uh, the scripture in Isaiah, and I want to read through it, and I really believe that God's going to water this amazing seed that's being put in this morning. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. The word of the Lord stands forever. So I began to start looking at Isaiah 40. And in Isaiah 40, you have to understand what was taking place. The Israelites were in bondage in Isaiah. And I believe that this is an appropriate time for today. I believe that there's some bondage that's taken place. Our nation, our country is dealing with that bondage. I believe in our world, we're dealing with this bondage. The Israelites were being talked about, and they were in bondage, and they were getting ready to be released and all of a sudden, they could see the victories of Assyria. They could see the victories of Babylon. They could see the victories of Persia. And they thought it made, because of that, there were idols that those nations had. And they thought, here's these victories. And it sure looked like the idols were more powerful than the God of Israel. And God was dealing with this in Isaiah chapter 40. They had seen failure. They had seen sin. They needed encouragement. Come on, somebody. It sounds like even today that we've seen, we've had failures. We've had sin. We need some encouragement. We got to get out of Babylon. We got to move into what God has for us. Isaiah began to remind them the greatness of Jehovah. I want to remind you today. The greatness of Jehovah, the greatness of Jehovah Jireh, our provider, the greatness of Jehovah and all of the names of God, the greatness of God. As we're looking at the world and things are difficult and things are challenging and everything's being challenged and they're saying challenge this and challenge that and court systems and everything else that we're going through. It seems to be it seems to be the idols are winning. Come on, somebody. We're looking at it and going, saying, man, this doesn't look good. It was the same thing in Isaiah chapter 40. So I started getting out my, my Bibles, and I started looking, and I found the Message Bible. And I began, I want to read this. I, I, you don't have to look this up. I want you just to listen to how Isaiah, God was speaking through Isaiah, and he was talking about the nation of Israel. He says, comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak softly and tenderly to Jerusalem, but also make it very clear that she has served her sentence, that her sin is taken care of, forgiven. Somebody say forgiven. Sound like Jesus? She's been punished enough, more than enough, and now it's over and done with. Thunder in the desert, 
Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road straight and smooth, a highway fit for our God. Fill in the valleys, level off the hills, smooth out the ruts, clear out the rocks. I mean, this is this is getting it the field ready. Are you with me? You're getting and anybody ever cleared a field? I remember when we lived in upstate New York. I mean, uh, in North Carolina, when we lived in North Carolina, we uh, we had a pasture. We made it was all grown up. Dad says, "Here, we're going to start," and we was going to put you know cows and horses and everything. And we started working on that field when I was younger. And man, he wanted to cut a line, so we would we would you know we didn't have a lot of the modern tools that you have now. You know, we were using machetes and we were cutting the line. And and then we once we got the fence up, then then he began to start working on an area to put a garden in. And we pulled rock after rock after rock, and we hauled wheelbarrows of rock, wheelbarrows and wheelbarrows. He had all the kids out there. We were all picking up rock. And it was like, you know, we weren't trying to find rocks. This wasn't like a pet rock thing that we were trying to do and sell these rocks. It was work. And we were getting that field ready to go. And as we were dealing with that field, there, they, we were trying to level some things off. Long story short, we ended up being able to run horses and cattle and everything else within that within that ground that you couldn't put anything on there before. But we were we were able to cultivate that and get it ready. So he he goes on and he basically says, fill in the valleys, level the hills, smooth out the ruts, clear the rocks, and then here it comes. Then God's bright glory will shine, and everyone will see it, just as God has said. Virginia's been teaching on the glory of God, and it's shining, and people are beginning to see it. Verse 6 says, a voice says, shout. I said, what shall I shout? These people are nothing but grass. Their Their love fragile as wildflowers. The grass withers. The wildflowers fade. If God so much as puffs on them, aren't these people just so much grass? Verse 8 says, true. The grass withers and the wildflowers fade, but God's word stands firm and forever. But our God's word stands firm and forever. This is verse 8 where Peter was talking in the New Testament. And he, you go back into the Old Testament and you begin to look at it. And look at the context in which it is in the rest of 40. Peter was referring to it. He goes on and it says, climb a high mountain, Zion. You're the preacher of good news. Raise your voice. Make it good and loud, Tatum. Jerusalem, he says, you're the preacher of good news. Speak it loud. Speak it clear. Don't be timid. Tell the cities of Judah, look, your God, look at him. God, the master, come in power ready to go into action. He's going to pay back his enemies and reward those who love him. Somebody ought to give the Lord a clap of praise on that. And, you know, one of the dimensions of God, he's a shepherd. He goes on and says, like a shepherd who will care for his flock, gathering the lambs in his arms. We sung about that today. Gathering the lambs in his arms, hugging them as he carries them, leading the nursing ewes to good pasture. Psalms 147 says, he heals the brokenhearted 
And I don't know what you're going through today, but we got to look at God again. We got to begin to see him as a shepherd. We got to see him as a healer. We got to see him as a deliverer. You may be going through some difficult times and God, you're going to see God in a new way. And he's going to show himself to you that he's a healer. He knows every star. He knows everything that's going on. He knows the hair on your head. And guess what? Isaiah was reminding them that he knows who they are and what they're going through. God was using Isaiah to remind Israel that. He heals the brokenhearted. Verse 12, who has scooped up the ocean in his two hands or measured the sky between his thumb and his finger? I was like, this is so cool. Because when we went to Hawaii, they were doing this. And that meant hanging loose. The scripture, as he's, as he's referring to it, he's breaking it down and he's saying he measures it between his thumb and his finger. Now, how big is God? That he goes and he measures that and says, hmm, about six inches. <laughs> he goes on and he says, between his thumb and his little figure, who has put all the earth's dirt in one of his baskets Weighed each mountain and hill. Who, who could ever have told God what to do or taught him his business? What expert would have given him some advice? What school would he attend to learn justice? What God, do you suppose, might have taught him what he knows? Showed him how things work. Why the nations are but a drop in the bucket. A mere smudge on the window. Shelly was cleaning some windows this week, and, and, and we were trying to get the smudge off of there. You know, because you can look through it, and the light hits it, and you're like, oh, it's not quite there. But then you can take it, and it's like, it's gone. And then he, re, and then he does that, a mere smudge in the window about the nations. Watch him sweep up the islands like so much dust off the floor. There aren't enough trees in Lebanon or enough animals in those vast forests, listen, to furnish adequate fuel for offerings of worship. In other words, you think you can bring all these things to God and there isn't an enough that's adequate for the worship of God. You could, you could bring all those sacrifices and it's not enough that's going to be adequate for God. That's how big God is. All the nations add up to simply nothing before him. Less than nothing is more like, uh, it's more like minus, negative. <laughs> so even when things come close to being like God, to whom or what can you compare him? Some no God idol? Ridiculous. It's made in a workshop, cast in bronze, given a thin veneer of gold, draped with silver filigree, or perhaps maybe some will select a wood one, a fine wood, olive wood. Say, that won't rot. Then they hire a wood carver to make a no god, giving special care to its base so it won't tip over. Because all the other nations were dealing with this idol. And he was saying, God is the only thing. Israel had been being brought out of bondage and you're we're more concerned about an idol or a dashboard Jesus or something like that. Come on, somebody. And he's saying, no, no, God's even greater than that. He goes on. Listen to this. Well, I'm almost done. Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? 
Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard all these stories in your life? Don't you understand the foundation of it all? Don't you understand? I have you go play. Don't you understand the foundation of it all? I put on my notes, repeat that. And then I began to start thinking, maybe I'm not paying attention. Maybe I'm not looking at the things of God. Or maybe I don't seek God in the way or I limit him to my knowledge. Or maybe I limit him to my experiences only. Or maybe I limit him and he's so much greater than all of those things. Say God is greater. He goes on and says, have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? You've heard, have you not heard all the stories in your life? Don't you understand the foundation of it all? I want to pause a moment. You may need to get off Facebook for a little while. Now, I love Facebook, social media, all that stuff. I don't do a whole lot of it because it takes a lot of my time. Some of you may need to turn off Twitter. You may, you may just turn the TV off. Hello? God's wanting to talk. Maybe the children just need to be quiet. Maybe as you begin to look at those things, you're, you're driving in the car. Maybe you need to pull over. Pull over? Well, you know, I'm, not, I'm just headed home. Well, what's a few more minutes if you pull over and all of a sudden God starts talking to you in that car? He says, haven't you heard? Are you not listening? Are you doing that? Okay. I just didn't know. I was like, whoa. Holy Spirit's here. His things are. He said, are you not listening? Haven't you heard? Don't you understand the foundation of it all? We need to look to him. We need to look up to him. We need to look at him. We need to see him in a different way. Maybe you've just said, you know, this is a God that is just like a genie God, and I just rub it and poof, it happens, and I get three wishes. You need to look again. And that's what he was saying to the nation of Israel. You better look. You've been looking at all these things of the idols of other nations, of the things that are going on in other nations. And God is bigger than the situation. He's bigger than the problem. He's bigger than what you're dealing with. He's greater than those things. He measures things by things we don't even measure. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. I'm almost done reading this, and I want, you, I want to encourage you to read it. It's in the Message Bible, but not right now. Let me finish. God sits high above, listen to him, the round ball earth. The people look like mere ants. He stretches out the skies like a canvas. I love this. Yes, like a tent canvas to live under. He ignores what all the princes say and do. The rulers of the earth count for nothing. Princes and rulers don't amount to much. Like, here it is, seeds, barely rooted, just sprouted. They shrivel when God blows on them. Like flecks of chaff, they're gone with the wind. Like tares that are being bound and burned. Wow, you are good soil. You are the wheat. You are what God is after. You are what God wants to bring forth. You are what God wants to grow. You are what God wants to water. That's you. He goes on in verse 25. He said, so who is like me? Who holds a candle to me? Says the holy. Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all of this? (laughs) Tonight, let's go look at the stars. Just look up. You're looking at the same stars I am. And say, who's made all of this? Who marches his army of stars out each night, counts them off, 
calls them by name, so magnificent, so wonderful, so marvelous. That is our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me go on. Let me go on. He says, and he never overlooks a single one. If he cares about the stars, how much more does he care about you? See, instead of praising the Lord, the nation of Israel had acted like God wasn't aware of their situation. Instead of praising God, they thought, well, he doesn't even know we exist. He doesn't even know what's going on. He doesn't know what I'm going through. And I'm here to tell you, they didn't think he had any concern of their problems. And that's not right because he was saying in Isaiah that he does care about you. That he does. Your problems matter to him. Your issues that you're dealing with are concerns. I'm telling you, God has a plan and purpose for the United States of America. And that plan and purpose is going to go forth. And that plan and purpose has got to be God's plan and purpose. But you're going to have to get off your rear end. And you're going to have to get out there and vote. And you're going to have to be educated on why you're voting, what you're voting. And we're going to begin to open that next week. But I'm here to tell you that as he was looking at this nation... He was saying, I care about you. But here's what the nation of Israel did. He said, why would you ever complain, O Jacob? Why would you whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me? He doesn't care what happens to me. Does it sound like you? I've done that. I'm like, oh, God, don't you see what's going on? And I'm thinking, why did I do that? Like he doesn't know. Duh. He knows exactly what's going on, and he's got away. Verse 28. He says, don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's the creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. Come on. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to those who drop out. Even young people get tired and they drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. I want to go back and say, those that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew his strength. This is the God that he was saying, look what's going on, Israel. This is the God we serve, that you bring it into the New Testament. And Peter was saying, go back to that and see that same God that was served back then is served today. He's the God of the impossible. He's the God that can change elections. He's the God that can bring you up out of Lodabar. He's the God that can bring forth things. He's the God that can change things in your life. Somebody give him a praise in his house today. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. That word wait in the Hebrew is kawa. And it means this. It means to expect. Those that wait upon the Lord. Those that expect. I know some people, they don't expect anything from God. And then I know some other people. They're expecting all sorts of stuff from God. Come on, somebody. And guess what? Those that are expecting are going to. It's coming. We're talking about expecting what is good and what's perfect, expecting those things of God. 
See, when he says wait, he doesn't mean sit or don't sit. Or, just sit around, don't do nothing. He doesn't mean, that's not what the word means. It means this. It means to begin to start having hope. Wait upon the Lord. Have hope that this is the God he's talking about. You begin to look to God for all you need. Where is it? It's God. I need this. I need a job. It's in God. I need finances. It's in God. I need wisdom for my children. It's in God. Come on, somebody. I need revelation. It's in God. I need the glory. Guess where that comes from? It's in God. We begin to start looking at, he says, so if you wait, it means to meditate on his character. What expectations? What expectations do you have with God? What expectations that you can say, that's the character of God. God wants me to have this. He's given me this talent. He's given me this ability. He's given me these opportunities. It's come from him. Yes, you may have lifted the weights and may be able to knock somebody down when they're in your way or throw a 100-yard touchdown pass, but it's God that gave you that ability. Come on, somebody. It's God that is the one that's created those things. It's God the one that created you in his image and in his likeness. And a lot of times we think, wait a minute, God, you aren't listening to me. He's listening to you. You matter to him. You're important to him. Things are beginning to happen. Things are beginning to change. And we began to look at this and we thought, those that wait upon the Lord, those that have hope, those that have expectation, those that say the goodness of God, the glory of God, the greatness of God, his grace and his mercy. Let's start meditating on those things. We start, we meditate on the wrong things. What about prayer? Prayer is important. What about God's promises? Wait a minute. God has promised me this. He's promised me this. This is a promise in his word. And if God said it, that settles it. So that word wait literally means to expect or hope. He goes on and it says, those that wait upon God, this this version says, get fresh strength. That word is renew. Shall renew their strength. That word, here's what it really means. It means to change your exchange. I'm giving him my weakness. And he's giving me his strength. I'm exchanging something with God. There's an exchange process that takes place. He will renew. Say renew. Renew our strength. He'll renew our strength. He's taking our weakness. He's given us his strength. We're exchanging it. See, a lot of times you just don't know that God knows. You don't know that God knows. You don't know that God cares. You don't know that you matter because you've been told by somebody that you were insignificant and you had meant nothing. And that's wrong. That's not what his promise says. That's not what he says in his word. He says, I'm going to renew. We're going to exchange that thing. And he said, they spread their wings and they soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. It's time to fly higher. It's time to mount up. It's time to cowboy up. Whatever you call it, cowgirl up. It's time. It's time to stand up and it's time to be counted as a child of the Most High God. Whether you're a cowboy or cowgirl or Indian or whatever you are, come on. It's time to begin to fly again. 
it's time, according to this scripture, to run faster. Ooh, I got to run yesterday. I had a little short burst, but I was running. I was playing football in the yard, and I scored a touchdown, boys. I got to run a little bit. Of course, my wife wasn't out there, so it's all good. I'm okay. I got to walk longer. I got to walk longer. It's time. Say, it's time. It's time to sow seeds. It's time to reap a harvest. You are the wheat and not the tares. Oh, no, you need to know that. You're the wheat and not the tare. Sometimes we just act like a tear. Sometimes we, <laughs> sometimes we act that way, but you're a wheat. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm wheat. And you all are going to go, well, wheat's not good for you. You know, it's, it's, it, no. It's just what the word says. Amen. You are, you are wheat and not a tear. Why don't you stand to your feet today? We've been talking about sowing in good seed. We've been talking about sowing in a good field. We've been talking about sowing in good soil. And we've come in and we've said, tear out these tears. Get these tears out. They don't belong here any longer. They don't belong here. And it's time for us to be able to say, we believe in God. We believe in his word. And his word is a seed. And his word will endure forever. It's going to endure me. It's going to endure you. But if we will let that seed begin to shape us and change us and mold us, then you'll be able to step out of bondage and you'll be able to step into what God has for you. You'll be able to step out of addictions and step in what God has for you. You'll be able to step, listen, out of guilt and shame. Whether it's an abortion issue that maybe as a child, I mean, when you were younger, you might have had an abortion. God wants to restore that, see? That's why Roe versus Wade's important because the woman that first wanted to have her right for the abortion has come back later since she's gotten older and matured and said it was wrong. You did. You told it wouldn't mess me up with my mind. You told me it wouldn't mess me up with my body. You told me there wouldn't be all these effects of it. And now I'm realizing all these different effects are there and it's hurt and harmed. But she didn't know. And there's a lot of times we just don't know. When you're 16, 17, 18 years old and most of them are young and all of a sudden a baby's being born, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. They're just like, I can't have a kid. But I'm telling you, there are no accidents. There are no accidents. Maybe you've been, been born by what you think an accident. God has a plan and purpose for you. No matter how it came about being, God has a plan and purpose for you. There is life. He wants you to have life and to have it more abundantly. So it's time to fly. It's time to get off the tarmac. It's time to get in the air. It's time to begin to soar. I want to pray for you today. And the first thing I want you to know is if you don't know Jesus, give him your life. You can walk the aisle. You can come to the prayer team and do that. You can do it, but tell somebody that you've done it. And maybe you've given him your life and you want to rededicate your life. We've got prayer people that will pray with you. They want you to rededicate your life. You want to rededicate your life. And maybe you're here and you want the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in an unknown language, a tongue. 
We can get that gift is available for you today. You can receive that today. Maybe you're here and saying, look, I want to be part of a church body. I don't, I don't know how to go do that, but I think I want to make Living Word Fellowship my home. And you've not never really made that commitment, never stepped into that. There's people here today that can help assist you in that. I want to pray for you, but I want to give you that invitation. Here's another invitation I want to give you. Get the tears out. Be good soil. Watch and see what God's going to do. Hear, understand, and bear fruit. Hear, understand, and bear fruit. Hear, understand, and bear fruit. Hear, understand, and hear, understand, and tomorrow somebody's going to ask you, what did you learn in church? I learned to hear, understand, and bear fruit. I understand I'm good soil and I'm wheat. Say this after me. Say in the name of Jesus. I receive who I am. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm made in your image and your likeness. I'm not perfect, but I'm on my way. I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm hearing. I'm understanding. And I'm going to bear fruit. Thank you, Lord, for all your promises. They are yes. And amen in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a mighty hand clap of praise this morning. We always want to have prayer for you. We'll always offer prayer for you. Let me pray with you as we dismissed. Father, I thank you for these men and women that you have here today. I thank you that they were able to come and hear and spend time with you. I ask you to, I ask you to enlarge them. Enlarge your word in them. I pray that the fertilizer of the seed in the soil will hit this seed and it will begin to exponentially grow. Enlarge their territory. Enlarge their capacity to know you more. Let them see you in a way. Let them see your word in a way. Because your word will not go out and do well, it will do what it's planned and purpose to do. It's not going to return to you void. So we just sow this seed, your word, and receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Prayer team's over here. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon in the Lord today. Go forth in his power and his might. Let us pray for you this morning. God bless.